with Worth the Calories. Hooray! Sugar high! Sugar high, yes, there is a little <laughs> bit of a sugar high going on here, so this could be a really energetic episode where we crash halfway through and we're like, yeah, we baked stuff and it happened and give us tea. Boys and girls, this is what happens when you have cake for breakfast. 2020, we have a bake-off back. I'm so glad it... Um, it I know it's delayed. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel as delayed as it might be. Okay. I, I feel they've done well to get Bake Off out at this time in the year compared to when it could have been out. Yeah, absolutely. I that It was going to be my first question is, do you think it should be back? I mean, the, the geek in me is intrigued to know. Because <laughs> we like to know how everything works. <laughs> yeah. intrigued to know what legal permissions mm. they had to get to allow the crew and the contestants and the judges all to be allowed to congregate in mm-hmm. their own little quarantined bubble, quarantined bubble village. Yeah. And, and presumably they're having to have, like, I don't know, their day-to-day food delivered from a from a ten foot distance well, and wiped it, down with disinfectant. Exactly, there might be a whole cafeteria thing going on. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they've got then got them support. You've got all the first aid people. You've got the people who clean and prepare. You've got people buying in ingredients. You've got the people filming the B roll. I'm really interested how and when they got that of like people sharing meals and giving cakes to their neighbours like. I'm not sure we should be doing that in 2020, frankly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's one of our problems, isn't it? Yeah. Like, now that we oh, currently don't. are going to offices to offload our, our bake-off bakes, <laughs> we're either going to eat a lot of cake, which I don't object to, um, <laughs> or we're going to have to consider who, who would be willing to accept cake from mm. us in these um, interesting times. Mm. But yeah, so basically what I'm saying is I want a behind-the-scenes documentary, mm. including the discussions they had with the local council, yep. to, to work out how they've managed to do a COVID-proof, socially distanced, but clearly not that distanced, mm-hmm. bake-off. I wonder if there is a standard thing about productions like this mm. and the ability to continue doing and what you set in place. So rather than them having to do an agreement with this lot and different soaps and different TV shows and movies and so on, there is like, these are your established guides and it means quarantining, it means a bubble for all your people working together, so on and so forth. Yeah. Mm. And who do they have to get that sign off from? But it, it sounds like you are pleased it's back. Yes, I am. I'm very pleased okay. it back. You, you it's think back. it's a good I thing mean, for this year? To be honest, I think I, I kind of um, I knew they were intending to start filming once they could, mm-hmm. but then I lost track of it. Right. So the other day, when I suddenly saw that it was coming, back, I think it was only actually maybe like four or five days mm-hmm. before it was on telly that I saw it was on telly. Um, so yes, I was very excited. Nice. Okay. Yes. Good. I'm I'm a little on the fence about it. Oh, to be honest, just a bit because of all this effort they're having to go to for it. But at the same time, it is nice having this sort of positivity and this, you know, you, it, we have all been baking. I did a 10-week Instagram baking show yeah. about doing stuff. So I have, you know, friends and family who did, have done a lot more baking. So almost they should have been doing something special rather than just we're doing another series. Maybe that should have been the... Oh, interesting. I suppose I, I see it as a cost-benefit analysis of yes, <laughs> of um, you know, <laughs> you know, like the, the you know the cost being the extra effort, etc., the permissions, blah blah blah. But the benefit being, I I think a morale boost for the nation. Right. Yeah. And okay. and, and I like that it's relatively familiar yep. as opposed to something else being weird and different. Yes. But. That's nice, and, and I think I agree with you on that point as well. Yeah. yeah. So we've had a few changes in the Vose household as well. Have we? Well, well, you know, we're obviously locked down and oh, yeah, work okay. at home all this. We have a new hob. 
<laughs> oh, we do, we do. Yes, yes, that's true. That's so, true. So, you, you know, we had a gas leak in our gas hob, just for everyone who isn't aware. Um, so we've had to replace that with an induction hob. I've, except for a couple of years at uni and a couple of years living in Ricelip, I've always cooked on gas. So this is very new to me. You are more experienced at it. Well, I, I ten years ago actively chose to put an induction hob in my mm. uh, in my flat in Surbiton, <laughs> mainly because of my propensity to forget that the hobs are. <laughs> and I figured which is the type of hob that is least likely to burn my home mm. down, mm. and I decided that an induction hob was the way to go. Because even if I did just happen to leave a tea towel on the hob, as may or may not have happened on my previous electric hob, that if it was an induction <laughs> hob, because the tea towel was not magnetic it wouldn't set on fire as may or may not have happened on my previous electric hob <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah so i i i cooked on that induction hob for probably two years okay before we moved in together and i and i okay. re-entered the world of gas right but I, I was very excited and keen to get having another induction hob yeah so so it'll be interesting to see how that affects it because i think you can bake differently on an induction hob i've not tried it yet but I'm looking forward to integrating that. So it's a slightly nerdy techie thing. I, I think, as we'll go on to talk about, I mm. think it has had an impact on second time round, but my success with uh, with the caramel for <laughs> okay. the uh, for the pineapple upside down cake. Oh, okay. But more to come on we that will, later. We will talk on that. The other change that has, of course, happened is we have a couple of new co-hosts. Yay! <laughs> so we have Kitty Furry friends. We have Lex and we have Kira, who I'm sure will show up on recordings over time. Lockdown kittens. And may get referenced at times. So just to keep everyone up to date. Bake Off 2020. So we're on the long road to learning everyone's names again. Yeah, I must. I must say, I I'm looking at a photo of all the contestants, and and I can remember a little bit about something that happened to each of them. But if you ask me what all of the names were, I'm really sorry. Um, I know there were two marks. Yeah, there's two marks. So, but they called it particular attention to that. We know Sura. Yes. Because of something that happened, we know Dave because of something that happened, and I made his cake. Peter, and we had Peter who won. Yes. Very deservingly, yes. I think. So I think we rather than go through an in-depth discussion of each of their bakes, Absolutely, yeah. I think if we sort of pick out the things that we actually remember, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we can talk about um, our, our baking ex- exploits. So was it last year that they swapped and they did Biscuit Week first? Oh, I think uh, it might have been. I think Cake Week coming first is the right thing. I think Cake Week coming first feels like the normal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't remember what they did last year, if I'm Cause, honest. Because cakes are, are, are the fundamental bake. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we come to meringues and caramels and patisserie and biscuits and all this, yeah, yeah. Y- yes, they're things that a lot of people do, but butter and sugar and egg and flour. Yeah, you've got to be able to <laughs> bake a thing. basic cake. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I quite like that. However, Battenberg's a slightly unusual one. Now, you see, I, I, I didn't mind it because okay. I think a Battenberg is quite a traditional British cake. True. You know, it's in mm-hmm. the sort of, it's not necessarily the one. pantheon of. Yeah, it's, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, it's not necessarily my first bake. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you think what are the sort of traditional British cakes that you used to see in the supermarket before, you know, in, in, in the 80s, before life got true, a bit more true. exotic in supermarkets, uh, Mr. Kipling's Battenberg. Battenberg and Fondant Fancies. Fondant Fancies. <laughs> That's it, isn't it? You know, a Victoria Sponge. Oh, yeah, and a Cherry Bakewell. Eight Cherry Bakewell. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's in that sort of core British cakes. Now, what, what I thought was interesting was mm. it was a traditional British cake, but I think everyone's very much, or the contestants are very much, oh, we're like series 
11. 11, 11 of Bake Off, we've got to make it super complicated. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced they did. I think some people got way over complicated with what yeah. they were doing. And I also think that people who try to do lots of chopping into even smaller bits of their Battenberg yeah. are, on a, on a, are on a sticky wicket from the start. Absolutely. It's, it's a, a fairly... If you bake it well and not over bake it, it's a fairly fluffy cake. Yeah. So when you start cutting it, pieces come off quite easily. Yeah. So. And, and maybe that detailed slicing works when you've got all the time in the world to let it cool mm-hmm. and then slice it fully cold. Yeah, true. But that that but that is not the experience <laughs> no. of the Bake Off tent. The Bake Off tent is to be able to bake everything with slightly less time mm-hmm. than even a standard bake would need so yeah. so I, I found it interesting that people got, had these um very exotic ideas about chopping up the middle of their battenbergs mm. Mm. but yes any that particularly stood out any that we want to comment on um well i mean I, and i guess this is a preference thing mm. but i i was bemused by larea's choice of flavors oh the bubblegum and bubblegum and soda stream yeah or soda cream, cream soda. soda that was yeah. it i was a bit like really but if you like sweet and powerful flavours, yeah, fine. But... I mean, for myself, it's that—that's the sort of flavour that I would actively avoid. Yeah. But then I'm—I'm I'm aware yeah. that not everyone has the same taste. It's—it's it's the sort of thing you can see the kids going for. Yes. <laughs> really quickly, but. But as a as a sort of a strategy for success, mm. it's not something that I'd predict either Paul or or Prue would like. Yeah. And so it seems a little misguided. Yeah, absolutely, and, and especially going when you look at some of the other flavours where you've got things. Elderflower and rose water and lemon and yes, in, in inverted commas mature flavors, you know. But <laughs> yeah, things that they would go, oh yes, that is a nice sophisticated cake. Yes, not something that's no. bright blue and with really thick marzipan. Yeah, that's you know having rolled out marzipan. Yes, it's easy to do it thick because actually it rolls quite well. But so I suppose there's two things in it. This I was thinking of that for me the one that looked the best mm-hmm. from the outside mm-hmm. certainly was the lass who's the pantomime director the the rhubarb and custard one rhubarb and custard absolutely agree with you i mean i thought yeah. i thought what she'd done with her marzipan looked absolutely yeah. stunning yeah well done her yeah mm. i mean she was another one that was a bit over ambitious with chopping up the middle but i yeah. think because of what she did with the marzipan that she got away with yeah. that mm-hmm. and and also i really liked the idea of the flavors i mean i quite like rhubarb okay. well, i go. quite like that mm. sort of idea of it's a sweet cake and all the marzipan sweet, mm-hmm. but it's got this really sour flavour in the middle. Nice. So, so yeah, that 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 appealed to me. Which ones appeal of them all? Which ones appeal to you? Well, the, the most? sound of the espresso martini one is one. I mean, we love an espresso martini anyway. Oh yeah. I like chocolate very much. Oh um, yeah. So that that absolutely kicks into the right sort of flavour for me. Nice, nice. Is this where we talk about making it? Yes. 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 And and that's why. So exactly like you say, if we make all the, the, in fact, people might be listening to this for for the first time. So let's introduce them better. Every week we make the technical challenges from the previous week, and we talk about them and how they went and how they do and so on and so forth. Um, If we do that every week, we're going to be making a lot of stuff that we might not necessarily be able to eat, and we don't have anyone to share with anymore. Or, yeah. or it's it's harder to share with other people. Exactly. exactly like you said. It used to be great. I'll make a cake and then I'll take it to the office. Exactly. You know, I'll have a slice, make sure we get to try it, but then the rest of it can get shared out. Fine. Yes. Let's not do that anymore. So I made Battenberg this week, which again was a hope of carving it up and sharing it with other people, but plans are getting curtailed very quickly at the moment. Yeah. Um, 
exactly like Paul said, you cannot taste the alcohol flavours in it. Mm. I think the coffee maybe, but that's it's also got sixty ml of espresso in it. Yeah. I, I think you definitely can taste the coffee, mm-hmm. but I think the coffee flavour comes primarily from the coffee jam. Exactly, which is mostly espresso. Yeah. It, 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 so the marzipan, the sponge, and the jam all have Kahlua and vodka in them. Oh yes. Coffee liqueur. <laughs> the vodka does the vodka really add anything well, to it? Vodka doesn't have a flavour. Yeah. Really, that's. Does it add anything you know, to the... It's one of the reasons alcoholics like it so much, because you can't tell when they've been drinking. Like, yeah. you know, I have heard this from yeah, yeah. people's stories. So, I don't know why you would add it. Does it add anything to the chemistry of the bake? Well, not really, cause, and this was part of the problem. I would be loath to add more of either, because you're adding a lot of liquid. Yeah. So there were times you could see the sponges actually getting a lot more fluid. Yeah. And so... So, so arguably, you could bake it and have much the same end result mm-hmm. without the vodka. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and and potentially the coffee liqueur. I don't think. I think you'd have to ramp up the coffee flavour, and I think the vodka is to try to give it a, a, a hint of sharpness, maybe that sort of tang you get from a from a spirit. So, if someone wanted to try it and wanted to feed it to people that didn't like alcohol, mm-hmm. they could totally just get rid of the alcohol out of the recipe. And yeah. Pretty much have the same result. Yeah, I think I would. I would turn it more into a coffee and chocolate. Also, to get the dark colour, you're obviously adding cocoa to the to one of the sponges. Yes. And I think the chocolate flavour comes through really strongly. Right. M- much more so than the coffee flavour. So. Agree. 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 Whether you actually do that with colouring mm. instead, or or just turn it into a, a chocolate and coffee. I do seem to remember on a previous season them saying that coffee is one of those flavours that it's very easy to lose by accident when you're making okay. a, mm-hmm. a cake. Mm. So I wonder if that's I wonder yeah. if that's what's happened with this one as well. Yeah. That you know you lose the coffee and and you you I mean don't get me wrong it was delicious. <laughs> I'm quite happy to be left with the chocolate, but but um, it's, it's not what it promised to be, which is a little no, bit of a shame. No. But so, so talk talk me through the baking of the Battenberg. The, the the tricky bits, the easy bits. So sponge was fine. Um, I perhaps should have not had the the whatever it's called butter quite so chilled, right? Because um, it took a little bit of effort to really integrate it with the sugar, but that was okay. Um, and did separate... you do that by hand or in? I did that in the sand mixer. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, <laughs> the yeah, getting it, getting it into the tin. The sponges were actually okay. And then yeah. even cutting them up, I got more out of them than I expected to. Okay. So I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, you know? I, I was as well, nibbly on the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of tin did you use? Because they just, had lots of different tins on the show. Yeah, so I used just a square tin, the sort that I use for um, brownies, tiffin, things like yeah. that. Because we don't have one with dividers, they actually have dividers. They were splitting it into four, so you yeah. just get your four squares. So I think they end up with larger squares okay. more easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas mine was end up with two rectangles yep. that you then put on top. You know, you flatten the top of them, put them on top of each other, and then cut it into squares. So you, I, I measured right what's the standard height at either end, mm. and then cut it into that width to yes. make sure I get that square. Yeah. Uh, when it's front on. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, slice it up. Sponge was fine. I- I'm actually pretty comfortable with the sponge. You know, flavours notwithstanding. Yeah. It's interesting on the show how many people were told their sponge was really dry. Because your sponge was not dry. No. It was delicious. No, and, and especially the guy who didn't actually bake it fully, so couldn't use it. Because 
stick a skewer in it and you'd know if it's baked or not. So, mm. but I can I can see it being overbaked, and especially again depending on what tin you've used, because once you have the dividers in, you've got more metal, you've got more heat being transferred yeah. to the edges of them, and presumably quite a thin layer of sponge. Thinner layers. So, uh, if you see any of the pictures, and you would have seen the sponges before they were cut, yeah. there was a significant rise to one side and not the other. I agree. The, the insides rose much much better. Mm. So. Mm. Okay. Um, the espresso jam. This is where I had to do a lot on the induction hob right. for, the, for this and the marzipan, to be honest. But this was heating it to a medium heat and then low heat and turning the the jam sugar and the espresso into a syrup. Mm-hmm. I don't think I quite boiled it down to a syrup enough, and then it had half a sheet of gelatin. Maybe could have done with more gelatin because I think what I ended up with was a alcoholic coffee syrup. <laughs> Rather than, um, rather than a jam, if that makes yeah. sense. So when I when I put it on the sponges, you could see it soaking into the sponge okay. a bit more like a, a lemon drizzle yeah. than a jam. That's interesting that you reminded me that there was gelatin in there because I had been thinking, is jam sugar like magic? Then can you make anything <laughs> into jam? <laughs> you know, I mean, effectively yes, and yeah. you don't always have to use gelatin. But I think because. Normally, you would use a fruit, which obviously has a, a you know a very different set of chemical ingredients than yeah. espresso. So I needed something to uh, supply that setting. Yes, because I was just thinking coffee jam. That's that's very strange. Now, mm. when I was in Japan, they used to have coffee jelly. Right. Okay. Quite a, it was quite a standard thing to have coffee mm. jelly with them with some kind of very processed cream on top. So I was nice. like, okay, this it's the same thing. But yes, it was. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So, how did you find the induction hob for changing between temperatures? Uh, okay. Obviously, very easy to do. I'm I'm not sure I'm confident enough yet on getting the temperature right. Yeah. Uh, and particularly when so when we come to the marzipan, the marzipan is an egg and sugar mixture that that you whisk up and then you have in a pan of boiling or, or simmering water. So the water was obviously okay simmering, but then as time goes on, it starts boiling more. So you yeah. turn it down again, and then you turn it down again, and and this is the point where I think with an induction hob you don't need the water anymore. You can actually have it just in the pan with the heat going through because I think the heat is the point is the heat is more even. Mm. You're not cooking specific points. Where actually, because I had it in the pan of water, where we're getting into detail here, but where the saucepan met the 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 bowl that I had the ingredients in was getting particularly hot itself. Yep. So maybe I should have not had it touching the edges of that and just sat in a larger thing of water and. I think it's the sort of thing we just have to keep playing with mm. and, and be willing to experiment to disaster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm interested. I, I think when we come to times like melting chocolate and stuff, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying that, melting yeah. butter and so on. Yeah, yeah. Because certainly at low heats, it seems to be, yeah, just use the induction hob and go for it. Yeah. So could Super. be good. Uh, yeah, the marzipan. The marzipan has ended up a little more sugary crunchy than I think I would have liked it to be. But at the same time... It's definitely marzipan. Yeah, it's good. And after kneading it, like you, I could see the consistency of it changing as I was kneading it mm. and it getting smoother. So it, as you knead it with your palms, it's breaking less. So you're like, oh, I can see this is going to roll out. And then I chilled it and rolled it out and it rolled out very nicely. It rolled out to significantly more than I needed, which again might be just for the size I cut it down to. So it ended up a bit thick in places, but... I, I was very impressed because to me, marzipan is something one buys from the shops. Yeah, well, so... it's exactly what I've always done. And, and I can see actually two or three more goes and I think I could be, oh, yes, I, I know how to make marzipan and marzipan's a thing you can just do. Yeah, because so... I think it's, it was just that maybe the sugar hadn't dissolved quite enough. Yeah. 
which is which is partially I think just not quite getting it hot enough in that pan yeah. of water. So yeah, but it still tasted good, mm. especially with a bit of um, boozy coffee jam coffee on syrup it. on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just what one needs for one's breakfast. So, so I think it was an interesting bake. I think it was a yeah. good bake to test them mm-hmm. and show a bit of range of skills yep. and doing stuff. The fact that they all had to make marzipan and so on, it showed a little bit of some of that artistic stuff. Mm-hmm. But we're about, we're, you know, we've got a challenge later on that had a lot more artistic going on. Yeah. Um, and I quite enjoyed doing it. It, it. You know, I feel like Battenberg might have been one they did as a technical in years previous. Possibly. I do mm. feel like we've seen Battenberg before. But yeah, I, I thought it was a good signature to start. Mm. Allowed a bit of personality to show through. Had a few skills being tested. Yeah. Ah, I liked yeah. it. And so, I liked yours. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot left, so we're okay. <laughs> so the technical pineapple upside down cake. Yes. You can take over because you did this. I did. I did. So... um do you know, pineapple upside down cake, I'm not sure it's something I've ever had. It's certainly not something, or it's certainly not oh, something that I've had on a regular basis. I'm, I'm aware that it exists as a concept, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's anything my mum ever made. I don't think I've ever had it as a single pudding, but I'm sure I've certainly seen it, if not had it as a large bake. And I think most of the time it is done as yeah. a large bait. When mm. I was um, looking, doing a bit of looking around on the internet for different, mm. different sort of recipes and different bakes, just to try and get some hints and tips, um, it was mainly as as a large bake. So right. I think the individual puddings aspects of it was Paul Hollywood just trying to make life harder for okay. people, perhaps. Okay. Um, and and this is just as an aside. This is one of my annoyances with a bake off, where it's things like make six, but you can only buy those pudding tins in sets of four. <laughs> Yes. And it just, it makes me think of all those ingredients we've got in our cupboard where we've yeah. used a teaspoon of them over the years. It's the herbs from the, that's the, the sumac, sumac and everything. And I've got gluten-free cooking ingredients and all this sort of thing. And I'm just, we've got a lot of ground almonds because you can only buy your ground almonds in two different sizes. And they needed enough ground almonds for the uh, marzipan and the sponge. In between those sizes. Yeah. So I've had to buy a big one, and I'm hoping we're going to use ground almonds again, or they last until I make tuna's cake for Christmas. <laughs> if nothing else, it's my birthday in November. You can make me something almondy for my birthday. Thank you. You're very there kind. You <laughs> I'll make you lots of marzipan stuff. I'll make you a marzipan representation of the cats. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but... But I don't think this was... I mean, the irritations of only being able to get pudding basins in uh, fours aside. I don't think this was a bad technical. Right. I mean, presumably, you know, the timing is always a challenge with Mm -hmm. the technical, but I think that's the standard challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and they they said make a sponge. But I I do think that's the sort of technical skill that a participant on the Bake Off should be expected to have. Yeah. I I was quite happy to be given the ingredients. Oh, absolutely. But at the same time... But that's not not a ridiculous... You know, because we have complained in the past about the technicals sometimes being a bit ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I don't think this was ridiculous. I think it was a good good technical. Um, So, yeah. How did mine come out? I think mine came out all right. Okay. All right. You know, they they tasted good. They tasted good, to be fair. You know, some of the decorative... They were not necessarily as decorative as they might have been, (laughs) but then we just chose... You know, I'm not going to whip out a whole load of double whipped cream at 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So, you know, that that sort of aspect hasn't been done. Um, So, so I started off with the syrup, Mm -hmm. as they did. Now... I did what one normally sees on the Bake Off anytime anyone tries to make caramel, right. but we haven't had this season. 
I'm the one whose caramel crystallized. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so like, so actually, I had to make the caramel twice. Okay. Um, so the first time it didn't caramelize; it just went into that all that hard crystalline yep, stuff. Yep, yep. And, and Got so a bit then, of water in it or something. Um, and and also I stirred it too much. Oh. So I I just was following the the instructions. I didn't read about making caramel or anything beforehand. Okay. So I I put it in. I yep. melted the sugar in. Turned it up. And then I was stirring it constantly because I think, I, I, in my mind, stirring constantly is a thing that one does to food. Um, and yeah, so it all it didn't caramelize at all. Okay. It all went uh, crunchy, crunchy, crystally. And then because I'm an idiot, I pulled the spoon out of the pan, waved it around to cool it cool it off a bit and poked at it with my finger. So I've oh. now got an enormous big blister at the end oh. of my finger through sheer stupidity. <laughs> please, please, anyone, do not touch your boiling sugar that's a really bad idea public safety warning exactly. do not exactly. touch boiling sugar so at that point i just stuck it in the sink and put a lot of cold water in it and decided i would start again okay but before i started again i read up on making caramel mm-hmm. on the internet mm-hmm. and there was a really good article about it in the telegraph actually um, and basically oh, no, right? <laughs> so basically the the sort of the key things i took away from that were a Use a scrupulously clean pan, mm-hmm. preferably a metal pan. Mm-hmm. So I used uh, one of our Le Creusot metal pans nice. instead. B, don't stir it all the time. Um, and it also said put a little bit of lemon juice in. So whilst it steeps in lemon later in the recipe, actually once I dissolve the sugar, I just squoze one of the lemon um, wedges into it oh, just a little bit. Okay. And it said um, use your pastry brush and every now and then wet wet the pastry brush and run it around the edge so the right. water trickles down. Yeah. Um and I did that okay. and I found the induction hole really good for gently melting it and then and then sort of I was using like I think flicking between six and seven okay. in the heat. Okay. Uh, wow. And it, and it's quite hot though. Yeah. Mm. And and it and it formed a beautiful caramel. Nice. Caramel. Are you pleased with it? Yeah I was really pleased Great. with it. And yes, I did not stir it at all. Right. Once uh, beyond the, the the sort of dissolving at the start. So so yeah basically don't touch boiling sugar and don't stir your caramel too much. It would be my hints for that. So that, that It's was... been a learning experience. <laughs> it really has, and a very sore finger. Um, so, so yeah, so I did that, added the water, extra water mm-hmm. and the lemon juice in, so the syrup went fine. Mm-hmm. Um, the cutting of the pineapple was interesting because, well, I, I, you know, we decided we didn't want to buy special cutters just to chop up a pineapple no. for a technical. So I found a... Um, a an alcohol measuring <laughs> thing and use that for the use that for to for cutting out the centers right. and then I just chopped off the edge. So mine looked more like um pineapple nuts. Okay. I said nuts and bolts, okay. but you know, that worked fine. <laughs> um the sponge was very straightforward. It's a very, very simple sponge. Good. Just did it all in the mixer. Mm-hmm. Um and then I decided to I know we only had four pudding basins, but I decided to use the silicon mm. um, muffin mould mm. for for the rest of it because it says spread it across six. I was like, well, I don't want to overfill the four. No, absolutely. So I was like, I will, I will spread it evenly across the, the six. Yeah, yeah. And with hindsight, we didn't need to buy the pudding basins because it works the... perfectly well in the okay. silicon muffin mould. I wonder so... <laughs> if it would be too soft for it, too hard to to move the. It was easier to get them out of the silicon muffin mould than it was to get them out of the... Um, Good to know. Although, if it had been full of six, getting them all out at the same time could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. So, But but anyway, but, but. I, it, it worked fine. Okay. Um, so yeah, mm. um, bake them. 
fought fought them out of the you know <laughs> fought fought my way out of the pudding basins and I think it all worked fine. I really like the lemoniness in the syrup. Mm. Um but I mean really it's a pudding, isn't it, rather than a cake. Yes. Yeah. And 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 that's fine. Yeah. I think I think and that's why you would, would serve it with a custard. That's why you serve it with custard. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, perfectly pleasant. Mm. Um I mine I d I don't understand how um all oh, the lass who made the ambulance Battenberg Mm-hmm. Um, in the te- I can't remember what her name is, but in the technical, hers all came out quite crunchy. They they sunk for some reason. So yeah. I wonder if somewhere in the sponge she didn't add something, yeah, or enough of something, or used the wrong type of flour, something on those lines. Yeah, because I was or, or opened the oven too early is, yeah. is possible. Because I was ready for mine to be a total disaster. But, okay, but, and I, I think the sponge was delicious. It was a really good sponge. I, it's particularly like where it gone obviously crispy with the bacon on top, mm, and then good. where it integrated with the syrup really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. Yeah, mm. I like the syrup. Mm. I enjoyed scraping the syrup out of the pudding bosons. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I'm on a sugar high. <laughs> yeah, uh, how do you feel about it as a technical challenge? I think it was good. Okay, I think it was good. Mm. Yeah, I. I I think it has enough potential for success. Mm-hmm. The the technical challenges I resent are the ones where it's impossible for anyone to do it successfully. Okay. Whereas okay. this one, clearly there were issues mm. for some people. But if you know how to make a sponge and you keep a cool head, you could you could produce that successfully. That that's possibly my feeling on it. That it's a little too simple. That the two real issues were. She clearly did something wrong in the baking process. Yeah. And one guy who didn't um, butter the moulds so they came out well. I, I think there was some differentiation as to whether they judged their caramel properly. Uh, I, yeah, the, the elements of that, but it's... I, I think week one, you shouldn't destroy people in the technical. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. So I, I liked it. Yes. Uh, and certainly I th- I feel like the technical didn't actually have an impact on the end result. Maybe that's the thing. But ha- it hardly ever does. No. And it, whether it should or not yeah. is a question mark. Mm. But I mean, I think if you want to have the technical have an impact on the end result, you've got to make it a genuine um, exploration of does someone have this technical skill? Mm-hmm. And so basically make sure without giving them instructions Absolutely. Or, or something yeah. like that. And, mm. and and I would accept that. Yeah. Um, if they're, I mean, and, and, and to be honest, I would have accepted today having an impact on the end result and uh, not today, this week. Mm. And maybe it did. Didn't, didn't Peter do quite well in the technical? And so it was at least a second, booster. I think maybe. maybe second, been there. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I think in terms of the people going out, I think, I think that's where I don't feel like it had an impact. And maybe, Maybe it's a good one because it doesn't have much about the assembly. Yes. That's important. It's about the baking and then you turn it out. Yeah. So the other challenges particularly are about how you can put things together or not. Yeah. But let's see. So we've been joined by Lex. So if you hear any banging, it's a ginger cat jumping around the study. <laughs> um right. And then we come to cakes that are busts. Yeah, I. This is where I start to, I start to wonder whether they're too concerned with not repeating things they've done before, mm-hmm. um, because as far as I'm concerned, I'm interested in seeing whether people can bake, mm-hmm. not whether people can produce um, artistic sculptures with cake. Yep. Do you think the sculpture aspect 
again, looking at the lower end of it rather than the winners, do you think the sculpture aspect was an impact or is it all down to flavours and quality of bake? And that's a leading question because I, I, I think it is. <laughs> I can't remember what Lorea's sculpture was. Oh, it was um, the poet, wasn't it? Yes. I thought I thought it was very cute. Mm. Um, I, I think you're right. I think it's about. I think they're actually judged properly on the bake. Mm-hmm. I think the the sculpting and the decoration aspect of it is is a is a gimmick. Probably helped at the opposite end. I can't even remember who Peter made. He made Chris Hoy. And oh, I must say, I, yes. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, I think he was very clever with exactly how he did like that. Exactly like they said, he thought about it and he'd gone, oh, here's a way of doing yeah. it. And that's smart. Yeah, and I mean, and, and I think it shows that actually what they, what they were looking for, they weren't actually looking for great sculpting skills. Mm. They were looking for, can you make a, a cake impression of a celebrity? Absolutely, a showstopper, yeah. centrepiece sort of thing. And I guess, I guess cake... You know, if you look at a lot of the cake uh, businesses there are around the place, mm. making a a cake that is has a specific theme for someone's birthday, things mm-hmm. like that, is part of the business. I yeah, mean, absolutely. the lady that made our wedding cake. Do you remember when we went to talk yep. to her about the cake? She had a cake in the shape of an aeroplane for Gatwick Airport yeah. out that she was taking exactly. up to launch something the next day. Mm. So, so you know, I suppose it's not outside the realms of our possibility but it did seem a little bit i think last year this is this is what reminded me about uh biscuit week being the opener because i think last year the showstopper was make a selfie of yourself somewhere you love or at a a moment you love out of biscuit which i think last year was a really interesting one because it was a really artistic group this is one of the things that stood out this year it's a lot of accountants and project managers and third sector it i don't feel like we've got many of the artistic end of the spectrum are you saying uh, accountants can't be artistic yes yes <laughs> having worked with a lot of accountants no no you know what i mean though no one who who professionally with the majority of their time does something that involves them yeah yeah no i i, I, I take your point there but it's interesting i quite like this bunch they feel quite normal mm. So. It, it, okay, so so let's talk a little bit on some of the criticisms. I've been really interested that a number of articles have come up, particularly in US outlets, right? Which is quite interesting. Uh, and maybe it's just because Bake Off started a bit later over there, yeah. started yesterday rather than uh, Tuesday. But the series ten of Bake Off felt like a victory lap. This is an institution, we all love it, and here's how great it is. And it come, now comes out in the US at the same time it comes out in the UK. Right. Series 11 feels like it's an institution, we need to take it down and point out all its flaws, almost in a clickbaity way. I must admit, I, so, so you sent those articles to me and I read them as well. Mm. I, I felt very much that they were articles written by people who'd been commissioned to write a takedown of Bake Off. Right. <laughs> so, so you know, whether that's what they thought or not, I felt like their commissioning editor had said, okay, Bake Off's starting, write about it, but be a bit mean. Yeah. Because we're fed up of not articles being nice about Bake Off. Exactly. <laughs> and maybe it is just the, the reaction to last year. That's, the, you know, oh, yeah. right, we wrote positively last year, let's write negatively this year, something like that. Yeah. But it's 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 again a little bit the way articles are written in 2020. Let's write stuff that is to an extreme in the hopes that people share it and discuss it. And, yeah, possibly. And I, I don't disagree with some of their points. Yes, some of the technicals have gotten a bit ridiculous. But at the same time, 
if it was possible to just watch and do all the technicals previously and you'd be able to do all the technicals flawlessly, that the would show itself boring. would be influencing itself. So I think I think they need to keep mixing it up. I think they need to do yeah. interesting things with Walker pastry and so on. And I think, and maybe it's all blurring into one, but I feel like the technicals in 10 were less ridiculous than the technicals in 9. Wasn't 9 the year where they ended up making pitter over an open fire? And, and yeah... I hated that at the time. I think I still don't like it because I think it should be a technical challenge. It yes. should be. And again, early seasons did it so well because they were make 24 Victoria sponges, 24 lemon tarts and 24, you know, chocolate yeah. Battenbergs or something. And and just go and do it. It was something on those lines. But I don't like that they went to the extreme of cook over a fire and so on. But at the yeah. same time, I get it. Yes. I get the impulse to do it. Yeah. And I think taking it down to saying, oh, it's now... A mockery of itself, and it's a mockery of being—you know—it's—it's it's the ridiculousness of being British and so on. I, I don't quite think that's true, and I—I th- I think, like we said at the beginning, it's a positive thing to have it back. People are yeah. enjoying baking this year. You know, we are all chances are putting on weight because of the baking and having to to stay inside, and not be able to go out so much. But eating and having nice things and sharing it with others is a joy. Absolutely, and I think the ability to do that through this show is a joy. And I think they've still got the atmosphere in the tent of people wanting to help each other. I was so surprised to see that comment about how it used to happen and it no longer happens. It still happened. It happened this episode. Exactly. It happens every single time. And maybe we don't necessarily get shown it. Yeah. But uh, certainly these early episodes, there is so much content to go in there. And there's so many people and the people don't know each other as well anymore yet. Exactly. But I mean, certainly... that there was like the Freddie Mercury head incident. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. you know, there was help going on there, and I saw Peter offering to help the guy that was Mary making Mary Antoinette's head, yep. and you know, there was definitely absolutely a, a, a bonding. Mm. Um, new presenter, new presenter, Mr. Lucas. Thoughts? I think he is fine. It reminiscent of Harry Hill on the okay. Children's Bake Off. Bake Off Junior, um, you, you know, get a comedian on who has an established routine, who occasionally slips into it, but is generally quite gentle. I feel like we get that. I feel Noel is probably the most extreme we've seen of any presenter who does their thing. You know, he does go up and be fairly weird at people and do goth stuff. Yes. So, but Matt Lucas just is now gentle, go and go and muck around. I, I, I think... I loved Sandy. I think she was really nice and a really good, positive aspect of the show. But I was so over the jokes she and Noel did. They just had nothing they could do. And it was all about her size. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I could live without ever seeing another Sandy Tox figure short joke. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sad to hear Sandy Tox figure mm-hmm. leaving because I've got an awful lot of time for Sandy mm. Tox fig. I really enjoy, though, this pairing of Noel and Matt. Mm-hmm. I think they... I mean, I suspect they've known each other for years. Yeah. But there, there is a nice repartee between the two of them. And I really like the gentleness that um, that Matt Lucas has yeah. got with the... And, and the, the sort of the warmth that he shows with the contestants. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'm very positive about him. Mm. I think I like it a lot. I, I think there is an aspect of him and Noel working together that they will each give and take the same as each other. I yes. think they're sharp in the same way. Sandy Toxvig is clearly very sharp. She's very, super clever. Very good at what she does, but not in a way that I think she can bring through on this show. Mm. Very rarely can she make jokes about 
Byzantium and the way it impacts baking or something, you know, yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the stuff that she probably knows a lot about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think this is the show where she can show that off. Whereas yeah. character humor, hmm. yeah, Matt, I mean, Matt Lucas has been doing it, you know, when, when he was on Shooting Stars and things. Gosh, and, that was so long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. what's on the doors, George Doors? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you're so high. <laughs> No more sugar for cats. Uh, Sir and Dave. <laughs> oh, do you know I feel sorry for both of them? I do, yeah, exactly. I, mean, I, I don't think anyone is at fault. Maybe she shouldn't have been flapping around in that way. Maybe he shouldn't have been walking up behind someone who was leaning over a table. So You can totally see how it happens. Yeah. And, and if I'm honest, I, I empathise more with her because I can totally put myself in that position because yep. I am a little bit of an extravagant arm flapper <laughs> and I can also imagine being quite the same amount of devastated as she mm. clearly was mm. at, at what had happened. So. I think it was important to show him being like yeah it happens, we yeah. all do stuff like that it's fine, yeah. it's fine. You know, He is clearly a fairly laid back chap so yeah. yeah. I, I, I also appreciate, this has been a criticism of the show in previous years, the editing Highlighting controversy, making it look like that um, ice cream was out of the fridge for an oh, hour, yes, whereas yes, yes. actually it was a few minutes. Things yes, yes. like that. So, yeah, I don't think they highlight. I mean, they showed it exactly, but then they showed it's all cool. Yeah, and everyone comforts her, yeah. and actually she's really upset. She's not sitting there in the background going, "Wow, yeah. I sabotaged him." <laughs> <laughs> and they showed everyone rallying around her, yeah. everyone, everyone rallying around him. Yes, and then they showed her being devastated that she'd won. Yes. And I think that that is probably the point that sells it because yeah, she she didn't want to win. She wanted him to win yeah. as an apology. Yeah. <laughs> so mm. to wrap up, any bakers that you're pipping for, for winning? Anyone that you're interested to see what they do? So I'm interested to see well in general. Okay. I'm interested to see how complex the challenges are as right. we go on. Okay. Because obviously normally everyone gets to go home and practice for five days yeah. before the next weekend. Whereas they don't have that set. I mean, presumably they let them have some practice time in some format. I mean, mm. it's not like your only practice time is before you come to the tent and now mm-hmm. we've got six weeks where your only bakes are the real thing. So presumably there's some form of of practice time given. I, this is why we need that behind the scenes exactly. documentary. I, I wonder if because I'm pretty sure what they get up front is a thing to say, here are all the different weeks and here yeah. are all the different things you need to come up with. You need to come up with a signature and a, a showstopper mm. every week. Yeah. And so you design them up front and then you practice them. But you're not going to practice them all. I mean, who has the time for that? Well, and this is this is why some weeks they say, oh, I didn't practice this. Yeah. You know, I know I'm not good at bread, so I'm just going to wing it. Things mm. like that. But like, I think you'd be foolish if your practice time at this before you get in the tent is dedicated to the final week showstopper. Oh, absolutely. So, so I'm yeah. I'm just wondering if we will see the impact of, mm. of that as the show goes on because this first one, like this carving uh, a, a bust <laughs> out of cake, is the one that they've probably had the opportunity to practice at home. Yep. More. Yep. Than anything else, mm. and as the weeks go on, they'll have had significantly less opportunity to practice each. So, possibly, are so. we going to see more disasters? 
Ghostbusters. Maybe. So, so I'm just, or or has the show taken that into account, and maybe the complexity of the showstoppers won't go up in the same way as we'd expect in a normal season. Mm. So I, I'm just okay. interested to see how that yeah, pans yeah. out. Um, the lass again, who I've forgotten her name, long hair, glasses, pantomime director. What's she called? Lottie. Lottie. Lottie's got her eye on the prize. I think she's got a proper amount of game in her, and I think she's got some proper skills. So I'm interested to see what she pulls out. I'm also interested to see... Go on. She's from West Sussex. Okay. And has a Lancastrian great-grandmother who was into cake baking, according to this. Nice. Nice. She's sort of got some of our background going on. <laughs> Combo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, and the music teacher guy who made the ridiculously complicated things that didn't quite end up as complicated um, as they could have been. The flautist. What was he called? That's him. Rowan. Rowan. I'm interested to see how convoluted his bakes continue to be. Because <laughs> he's clearly got skills, mm. but I think his um I think his ambition outweighs the amount of time he's got available to produce the bakes. Yeah. So yeah. Does will he take on board that comment of under promise and over deliver? Don't know. Because I don't know. He doesn't look like someone that takes a lot of feedback no, on board. If, if they've had to design <laughs> and submit what they're going to do. Does he get to change that I mean, now? presumably they've given, they've submitted their ingredient list. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so yes. Mm. How about you? Who who have you got your eyes on? Uh, much the same. I think Mark. So, th- so this comes back to my theory, which I, I desperately want to be proven right every year, that people who struggle early on do better later on. Okay. Because they know how to deal with issues in the tent. Right. They know how to tone it back. They know how to, oh, that's going wrong quite early. Let's start now rather than bake it and then yeah, figure yeah, out yeah. it's gone wrong. So I think he might be one who... Which one's he? Uh, Mark was the chap, I want to say single father, oh, he's got the two daughters. Yes. 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 Um, who, I can't remember what he made now. He definitely made pineapple upside down cake in Battenberg. Oh, but he's the one who thought he was going out, didn't he? Yes. I can't, I can't. I must admit, when he was going, oh my god, I thought it was me. So where, I was thinking, I can't remember why you think you won't yeah, be going where, out. Yeah, where the woman who almost went out, I think, will possibly go out because she's not quite clued into it yes. in the right way. You know, there, there are always slightly weaker people who go out early. Yeah. And there are people who survive because those weaker people go out. I, I'm wondering if he might be someone who girds himself and figures out how to play the game yeah. and takes this early experience of, ah, I know what I did there and there and there. Be- and maybe this is because, you know, he talked about this, you know, my challenge is to accept that I'm going out in week one. I think he's introspective. So I think yes. he will reflect on what he does. Yeah. And I don't think it phases him. Is he the one that made something with sour cherry and chocolate? Because I can't remember who made that. I just remember thinking I'd like to eat it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, I can't remember. <laughs> yes, this is just just a little hint for the future for you, my love. If if whatever it was with sour cherry and chocolate appears on the recipes page, I would like to eat that. You you like cherry and chocolate, <laughs> do, do you? Is that yes. what you're telling me? Okay, yes. that's good. Good to know. I will take that on a, on on advisement. <laughs> so yeah, I I'm really excited. I'm really excited about the show. Um, I, I felt sad that Lorea left. Because as a person, she's someone that I would be quite—I would have been quite happy to have on future episodes. I thought she came yeah. across incredibly yeah, well. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I went to university in Durham, so <laughs> <laughs> I've got my hearts in Durham. I just think her flavors—I mean, her flavors were way too mm-hmm. experimental, mm-hmm. and and she didn't support it with 
good baking. So, no. I mean, I think she was the right person oh, to go. But, but, but it doesn't mean I wasn't sad to see was her leave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I think, it, like you say, it's a really good crowd this year. The One one of the comments on those articles was about... There, there seemed to be a criticism of them picking people for diversity, but also a comment that and diversity is really good. So I'm not sure quite what point they were trying to make on that article. Again, you know, I, I didn't like the article, so you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to point out its flaws. But at the same time, I don't feel like this series has gone for characters. No, they just seem like a, a bunch of nice, normal people. It, exactly. And, yeah. and particularly, you know, Peter talked about seeing something on series three that yeah. taught him a lesson on how to do baking one when he was 10. Just makes <laughs> me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, you know, if I knew I was even applying for this show, I would be watching every episode before yeah. and making notes of things and making notes of mm-hmm. anytime Paul or Prue say, oh, I like that flavour, I don't like that flavour. Yeah. I would have a list, I would have a notebook, I would... But at the same time, we're quite into game theory and, you know, how <laughs> how you play the thing and min Eyes on and the stuff. prize. Exactly. So... <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think we're done. I think we've I think got, we're got done. biscuits next week. I think we're done. I think... Um... I think you need to go and crash. And I need to go and crash. And then we can have some Battenberg later. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week. You can make sure you can smash that subscribe button. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you look us up. Oh, we always post stuff on Instagram. Yes. Um. So follow at Eloquent Gushing on Instagram. And if you make the cakes, link, link us, message us. I'd love to see everyone else's cakes. Uh, absolutely. We know there are a, a horde of people who like to try the technicals. Answer me the question of what are you doing with the excess bakes now? Yeah. Have you found neighbours, friends, brownie groups, film clubs, book clubs that you can share these things with? Or are you just making sure they're really good so you get to eat them all now? <laughs> Hit us up on Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, Twitter at Eloquent Gushing, Facebook at Eloquent Gushing. You can send an email, podcast at Eloquent Gushing. You can find us on Twitter, all the places. Make sure you follow us and we'll be talking each week about all the great bakes. Yay.